You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's go to our sermon notes, because tonight, tonight, the title of the sermon is Let That Sin Go. Let that sin go. Tonight, we are talking about letting the sin in our lives go. Uh, A number of years ago, probably 10 years ago, when I was at a different church doing high school ministry at a different church, we had a Easter sunrise service. Anyone ever been to an Easter sunrise service before? It is early because you got to do it at the sunrise, which is usually around 6 or 6.30, but I was a part of the setup crew. So we would wake up at like 3.30 or 4 on Easter morning. We'd get to the site. We'd set everything up. It was an amazing outdoor service. After the service, we'd all go out to breakfast, and literally by 11 a.m., I mean, I was just wiped. I was ready for a nap. And so I remember Sarah and I, uh, we had been, we were married a few years at this point, and, and we're in our little apartment, and we had just bought a brand new bed frame, but we hadn't installed it on our bed yet. So we get home from Easter, and we're just absolutely drained, so we say, okay, we're going to take a little nap. So we take a nap, and in the middle of our nap, all of a sudden, there is a violent earthquake, like a big earthquake. And that bed frame that wasn't attached to our bed starts shaking against the wall, starts banging against the wall. Now, the thing is, I could literally sleep through anything, okay? You could break into my house. You could scream in my ear. I wouldn't wake up at all, okay? The kids cry out for dad in the middle of the night. I ain't coming. Like, I just don't wake up at all, right? I just, I just don't wake up. Sarah wakes up like, like if somebody, if I sneeze or if, or if somebody like breathes in the other room, like she wakes up for absolutely everything. So all of a sudden the bed frame is shaking against the wall and she wakes up. But have any of you ever like woken up and, and you just, it just takes you a little bit to get oriented? Like you're just kind of off, like you're trying to make sense of what's going on. Well, that's exactly where Sarah was. And she shakes me awake. And I wake up and I hear the bed shaking. And then she, she looks at me and she goes, come Lord Jesus. And I'm like, that's weird. What are you doing? We already celebrated Easter. Like, what do you mean? Come, Lord Jesus. And then she looks me dead in the eyes and she goes, did you see him? To which I'm going, freaky, right? Like, this is weird. Did you see him? I think somebody has broken into our house. So I jump out of the bed. I grab a t-ball bat. That's the only thing I have. I grab a t-ball bat. I start running around the house. And I'm not sure, like, am I going to hit Jesus or, like, somebody else? Like, What is happening? I'm literally running around the house. I'm chasing this invisible enemy. And here's the problem. I was fighting this invisible enemy with a t-ball bat. I showed up to a battle with an invisible enemy. I showed up to the battle with a t-ball bat. Now, students, if we are going to fight the war against sin, if we're going to really pursue God, And allow him to work in our lives and and rid us of the sin in our lives. There are three things that you and I are going to need to win the war against sin. And tonight my hope is that this message is encouraging for those of you that have been trying to follow Jesus. But it just seems like those old habits, those old sins, those old struggles continue to surface themselves. 
And maybe you're just going, man, I, I am done with this. I want, to, I want to fully follow Jesus, but this stuff continues to linger. My hope is that tonight is encouraging for you. First big idea is this, if you're taking notes, it's on your note sheet. The first thing that you'll need, the first thing you'll need is you'll need others to help you stop sinning. Big idea number one is this, you'll need others to help you stop sinning. Now here's what's fun. We're literally going to look at three verses tonight. We're looking at three verses, and we're breaking them up into subcategories even within those three verses. But we're just looking at those three, and it begins like this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I just want to talk about that top portion first. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This is jumping off of what Gaius talked about last Wednesday. The great cloud of witnesses that chapter 12 is talking about is the, the, the followers of God that were mentioned in chapter 11. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 goes off. I mean, he's just going, boom, there's this guy, this girl, this guy, this girl that did amazing things for God, that had an incredible faith. For some of them, they lived into their old age. For some of them, they actually died following Jesus. And what the writer of Hebrews says is, because you have such a great cloud of witnesses, you have more support and help than you even know to stop sinning. In other words, students, faithfulness, faithfully following Jesus, faithfulness inspires faithfulness. That when you choose to intentionally surround yourself with other people who love Jesus and who are following Jesus, it is going to help you in that process. I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to say it out loud, but I want you to really think about this. Who is influencing you? We're all influenced by people. Who is it that is influencing you? Who is in your hall of faith? Who are the people that you look to? that are examples to you. You see, Hebrews is talking about that cloud of witnesses, and that cloud of witnesses is the past, those that have passed away, those followers of God who are inspirational to us. But there's another present group of witnesses that I want to talk about tonight. That there was not just the cloud of witnesses, the people who have come before us who died and who no longer are living but were followers of Jesus. Now, those are a great source of inspiration, but there's another group of people. There's the present witnesses, and those are your life group leaders, the people that have committed. Do you know that our life group leaders commit to be here for four years? If they started with you when you were a freshman, they have committed to four years of investing in your life. These leaders are no joke. They're not playing. They're not just showing up when they want to or out of convenience. Your leaders are showing up because they are committed for the long haul to your life. And I want you to hear this, that Hebrews, the book of Hebrews wants to tell you, you have people around you to help you. Students, if you are going through a difficult time, if you are struggling in your faith, reach out to your life group leader. If you're finding yourself tempted, if you're thinking about going to that party or doing that thing with your girlfriend or boyfriend or participating in that illegal activity or you're even struggling with gossip or, or, or you're feeling like, man, I'm about to give into this temptation, call, text your life group leaders. 
That's what they're here for. They're here to support you and to encourage you because they love you. You see, if you want to stop sinning, and the reality is none of us will ever fully get there, but if we, if we want to pursue a life of holiness, it's going to be so important that we remember we don't do this alone, but we do this with others. The verse continues. Let's look at the next part of verse 1. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Students, tonight's going to be a little bit of a challenging word. Tonight's going to be a little bit of, of a, a conviction moment, I think, for some of us. Here's what the writer is saying. Get rid of everything that's getting in the way of you following Jesus. Get rid of whatever is getting in the way. Any kind of sin. And maybe some of you are going, what is sin? I don't even understand what that word means. Here's a simple definition for sin. It's any thought, word, or action that is disobedient to God. Any thought you think, anything you say, any action that you do that is disobedient to God, that, that communicates rebellion against God, that says, I'm in charge of my own life. I want to do whatever I want to do. All of that is sin, and it's ultimately bad for us. It ultimately leads into bad places, which is why God doesn't want it for our lives. But the writer of Hebrews says, you've got to get rid of anything and everything that hinders you. All of that sin that so easily entangles. And so students, if your smartphone is getting in the way of you following Jesus, get rid of it. If your social media, if your Instagram, if your Snapchat, if your TikTok is getting in the way of you following Jesus, if it's a point of temptation for you, if it's consuming your life, get rid of it. If the movies you watch, if the songs you listen to are getting in the way of you following Jesus, get rid of it. If the videos you're watching on YouTube are stopping you from following Jesus passionately, get rid of them. If you are in a relationship right now that is not helping you grow closer to Jesus, get out of it. <laughs> I feel it, right? I feel it. Y'all don't want to hear that, right? Like, we don't want to hear that. That's brutal. And I'm not saying those people are bad. What I'm saying is if you are in a relationship that is not glorifying to God, that is not helping you grow closer to Jesus, then it's not ultimately going to be good for you in the long run. Or maybe those things that you're doing on the weekends, the things that are happening on a Friday and Saturday night, if they are not helping you follow Jesus, and if that group of friends is not helping you follow Jesus, then you need to get rid of it. And again, I'm not saying we don't be friends with people who don't love Jesus. In fact, we're called to be friends with people who don't love Jesus. Absolutely. But if being around a group of people is keeping you from following Jesus, if, if the temptation is too great, then we gotta get rid of it. And I know that that's hard. I know that that can be painful and challenging. I remember one time I was skateboarding. I was like in the fifth grade and we were skateboarding down this hill before we went to school one day. And I was coming down the hill and, and right when I got towards the bottom, I fell and I put my hands out. And all of a sudden, like my, my hands just went into the gravel. And all of a sudden, like I remember this palm of my hand specifically was all torn up. And there was gravel and like all kinds of nastiness in there. 
And it hurt really, really bad, but I didn't know what to do about it. And so I went to my friend. I said, ah, what do I do? And he said, come inside, come inside. And, and his mom got out this brown, this brown bottle of hydrogen peroxide. Has anyone ever put hydrogen peroxide on a wound before? I mean, it, it's like Satan's drink. I mean, it's just awful. It's the worst stuff you could ever imagine. And so his mom grabbed this bottle, and I had never, never seen hydrogen peroxide before in my life. She picks it up, and she pours it, and I'm like, I'm dying. Like, I almost just, like, passed out. I was like, this is worse than death. Like, I can't do this. But here's the thing. As painful as that was, what it did is it cleaned out the wound. It stopped any possible infection from spreading all over my body. And so, students, the thing that is getting in the way of you following Jesus is probably going to be hard and painful to cut out of your life. But that doesn't mean it's not the right decision. The author continues, next part of verse 1. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love how this builds on itself. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, those that have come before, those that are present in our lives, let's throw off every sin that entangles, everything that gets in the way of us following Jesus, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The writer says, instead of remaining tangled up in your sin, run free. And how many of you want to be actually free? You may be able to make some choices, but you know that the sin keeps you locked up, keeps you handcuffed, keeps you enslaved. And God's desire is that you would be completely free. You see, sin will always tie you up, and Jesus will always free you up. Sin will always tie you up, even though it seems fun in the moment, even though it seems like, man, that's what everybody's doing. The reality is it will tie you up. It will bring more baggage into your life. And Jesus wants to free you. He wants to free you from all of that sin. That's the beauty of the gospel, of the good news, the forgiveness of God, that he frees us. That when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, he took all of our sins so that I'm not enslaved to it or chained up to it anymore, but I'm free. And so get rid of that sin and run the race marked out for you. And, and what is that race? This is a really important moment. Because sometimes living in the culture that we live in right now, we sometimes think, oh, God's, God's, God's highest priority for my life is that I'm really happy. God's highest priority is that I make a lot of money someday. God's highest priority is that I meet a, a cute boy or a cute girl to marry someday. Or, or God's highest priority is that I do whatever I want with my life. That the race marked out for me is whatever I want it to be. Biblically, that is not the case. There is a far better race that has been marked out for you. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it says this. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. The race that has been marked out for you and I is to live a life telling others about Jesus. That's the race. The race, the purpose of our life is with our words and our actions to tell the whole world about Jesus. To show the love of God to our families, to our friends, 
to our schoolmates, to the people who are close to us, and to tell people about Jesus. This is the race. And until you figure that out, you will be on all of these trails looking for something that they could never give you. You will look for happiness and joy and peace in all kinds of other races and roads, and it will not give you what you're looking for because you were marked out for one race. You were marked out for the race of testifying to the goodness of Jesus. And here's what's awesome about that. You can do that in your school plays. You can do that on your sports teams, on the football team. You can do that at home with your family. You can do that in your future college and career. You can do that in your marriage and with your parenting. You can do it in every aspect of your life. But the goal that we are fixed on, the race that you and I are running, is one of telling the whole world about Jesus with our life, with our words, and with our actions. That is the race that you and I were designed for. For those of you that are Christians, I wanna ask you a question. When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When was the last time you shared about Jesus with somebody? I think about whenever I'm in a conversation with somebody and they're brand new, like I've never met them, but they're not brand new. They're like, like they just showed up. No, they're not brand new. They're a person, but there's a brand new interaction for me. It's within like minutes that I'm telling them about my wife, Sarah. I mean, I'll just bring her into the conversation because she's one of my favorite people in the world. I love telling people about Sarah. It, it like comes so naturally for me. But if I'm honest with you guys, sometimes it takes a while for me to bring up Jesus because I'm uncertain how people are gonna respond. I'm worried what they'll think about me. A few weeks ago, our whole neighborhood was outside playing. The kids were all playing and all of us adults were talking and, and our neighborhood's really unique right now because we have a Muslim family and we have uh, an atheist family and we have a Buddhist family and a Hindu family and a Jewish family and, and an agnostic family. And there's all this, like the world religions are in our neighborhood right now. And the other, a few weeks ago, I was out front and I just got to share with them about Jesus. They, they, they thought Jesus was like this fictitious character. I got to tell them about why I believe Jesus is actually real. I had dinner with one of them and, and he was sharing with me. He said, I, I know Jesus was like a good teacher, but was he really God? And I got to talk with him about why I believe that Jesus actually is God. And it was an incredibly exciting moment. But I want to ask you, I want to even push it a little farther. For those of you that do talk about Jesus or invite your friends to youth group, do you, do you speak about it with passion or obligation? Like, like let's, say, let's say Mackie stood up and she was like, I was meeting her for the first time. She's brand new. I was meeting her for the first time. And Mackie was like, hey, tell me, tell me a little bit about Sarah. Like, what if, I, what if this is how I describe Sarah? What if I said, oh, yeah, Sarah, she's, uh, you know, five foot four and she's uh, kind of nice and uh, we've known each other for like, Oh, we've been married like 12 years and, yeah, that's it. Like, if, I, if that's how I describe my wife to you, how would you think about our relationship? Would you feel like we had a good relationship? No. Y'all would think that was crazy. Thank you, Jarrett. Y'all would think that was crazy. But when we talk about Jesus or we talk about church, sometimes we do that. Sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 I go to this youth group, but you don't have to come if you don't want, or, or I kind of believe in Jesus, but I, I don't, and, and I'm going, no, the God of the universe died on the cross, rose from the dead for you and I, that we would have life, we should have passion in our voices, not obligation as we're testifying and telling the whole world about Jesus. Now, here's what's really cool about this. In this verse, let's go back to that last verse. In this verse, it says, 
and let us run with perseverance. And let us run. Here's what I love about it. It doesn't say become sinless and then go and share your faith. It doesn't say you got to become perfect and then you can share your faith. In fact, this is the first lie of Satan. Satan would love to tell you this. Become sinless and then tell people about Jesus. That's what Satan would love for you to believe. He'd love for you to wait until you became completely sinless and then go tell people about Jesus. Why? Because you would never end up telling people about Jesus. Or Satan would love you to believe this lie. Sin all you want and tell people about Jesus. Don't even care about what you're doing on the weekends. Don't even worry about your life and your beliefs matching. Nah, you sin, do you, do whatever you want to do and tell people about Jesus. You know why he'd love you to do that? Because when your friends and your family hear your message and see your life, they'll go, ah, there's something off. So Satan would love you to just stay in your room, never talk about Jesus because you're so obsessed with becoming perfect and holy and sinless. Or he'd love you to just do your own life, do whatever you want on Friday and Saturday night, do whatever, post whatever you want, say whatever you want, and tell people about Jesus because both of those will be ineffective. But instead, this is what we're called to. We are called to pursue holiness and share about Jesus. See, those happen at the same time. God, you're going, you're going, you're going God, please free me from the sin that's entangling me and help me to tell my friends about Jesus. You can do those at the same time. Number two, number two, you'll need Jesus to help you stop sinning. Not only do you need others in your life, but you need Jesus to help you stop sinning. Look what it says in verse two. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. What is going to keep you motivated in this race of living your life for God? It's going to be fixing your eyes on Jesus. You guys, I've just been tripping out about this. When we began this series, we learned that God is a speaking God. God is not silent or distant. God is a speaking God. And I've begun to wake up every day with this anticipation and this excitement. Why do you read the Bible? Because God wants to speak to you. It's not about checking off a list. It's not about getting some like stars in your spiritual kindness chart or whatever. Like it's not about that. It's about you waking up with anticipation that God actually wants to speak to you. And he will primarily speak to you through his word. You see, students, we cannot transform our own lives. God transforms our lives as we obey his word. That you and I on our own, we cannot transform our lives. But as we read his word, as he speaks to us, as we obey him, as we put it into practice because it's what's best for us, he will transform our lives. And then Hebrews says, well, Jesus experienced this kind of joy. The joy that Jesus experienced came from three different things. Look at what, look at what the, the three things were that, that brought about joy for Jesus. Let's go to that next slide. Jesus' joy, it came from being obedient to the Father, plus thinking about our salvation, that we might be saved. And then thirdly, heaven. That Jesus was full of joy 
because he was obedient to God, because he was thinking about you and I and our salvation, and because he knew he would spend eternity, he would be in heaven with the Father. And this should be the same joy that fills us. You see, let's go to the next slide. For us as Christians, here's where true joy is. It's found when we're obedient to God and living with purpose. That's where true joy, happiness or moments of excitement can come from sin, can come from doing your own thing. But if you really want to experience joy, it's from obeying God because you know that he loves you. Not obeying him because, only because his word says it, but because his word tells us that he loves us. God actually loves you. And so he can be trusted. But it also comes from living with that purpose, that race that is marked out for us. And lastly, number three, you'll need perspective to help you stop sinning. Number three, you'll need perspective to help you stop sinning. Verse three of Hebrews chapter 12 says, consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Following Jesus will always bring conflict. There will always be tension. There will be people who don't fully understand why you're even doing it. You'll wrestle, you'll doubt, you'll struggle through it. But I can promise you this. I can promise you this. Following Jesus is better, not easier, than following the world and your own desires. That following Jesus is better. In other words, it is easier to sleep in. It is better to go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's easier to lust, but it's far better to have purity of mind and heart. It is easier to gossip, but it is much better to be a trustworthy person. It is easier to lash out, but it is far better to love your enemies. See, students, this is tough because God desires that we would live holy lives. God desires that the sin that entangles us, that we'd throw it off. And in order to do that, you're gonna need the help of others. You're gonna need Jesus. And you're gonna need to have that new perspective that following Jesus is better, not easier. And better is better, not easier. Abby Atwood, is Abby Atwood here? Is she here somewhere? Um, Abby posted something on her Instagram and I love it when you guys, like, when, when students follow me on Instagram, I love it because I love stalking you guys on Instagram, right? Like, I'm, I'm checking out what you guys are doing. I'm making little comments. I'm like, well, I screenshot some of them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love Instagram. Keep following me, okay? Don't block me. Don't block me. Keep following me. But Abby Atwood, she posted this on Instagram, and I thought this was so cool. She said this. The do what makes you happy culture is so toxic for Christians, We are not called to do what makes us happy. We are called to do what glorifies God. Christianity isn't always sunshine and happiness. It's hard work and dedication to him, not us. Do what glorifies God. See, students, you can just keep doing your own thing, or you could let that sin go. You could let those things go that are getting in the way, but you'll need others. You'll need Jesus And you'll need perspective to do that. So here's my challenge to you, and then we're going to head into life groups. My challenge to you is this. Tonight, open up with your life group 
about the sin that you're struggling with. These nights are too valuable. It's a waste of time to not be open and honest about what's really going on. And so I want to challenge every single one of you. What is it that's getting in the way of you following Jesus? What is that sin that's entangling you? And tonight, I challenge you, open up with your life group about that. Because if you do, you know what's going to happen? Your group is going to get really close. And you're going to get really close to Jesus. And you're going to be able to help each other let that sin Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. I ask that during our life groups, we would be brutally honest about the sin and the struggles that we are experiencing and facing.